Oh, hello. Fancy seeing you here on a Monday morning, but glad you could join us. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, we will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their businesses to success in an ever-competitive business climate. So pour yourself a hot cup and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today I have two guests. So there are three people on the podcast today. I have uh, Kurt Nicewinder and Jamie Crawley, and they are the co-hosts of the Coffee Sketch podcast. Coffee Sketch, podca- Coffee Sketch podcast is their take on the intersection of old tech and new tech, the space between the traditional practice of the hand-drawn sketch that has been performed by architects and designers for centuries and the modern-day use of the hashtag as a representation of the sentiment of or a movement. Each week, uh, they deliver a new episode about their ideas, sketches, and what is going on in their daily lives as they pursue their love of architecture, design, and sharing this knowledge with the next generation. Welcome to the show, fellas. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. The, so, yeah, that, that's our that's our like our intro for the podcast. I, but it's it took perfect. me a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of attempts to uh, say it without. Uh, uh, you know, jumbling my words. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's good. It. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of a better way to, to introduce you guys. Um, honestly, uh, because I kind of want, you know, I, I like doing, you know, bringing other podcasters on, they seem to do pretty well orally. So, um, um, with that, why don't you guys, how did you guys get to know each other? Where did, how have you guys, how did you guys cross pollinate and, and start the podcast? Sure. Well, Jamie, you want to start? Or you want me to do it? You, you, can, you can start and I'll interrupt you like I always do. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, Jamie and I first met uh, while both serving on the, the Young Architects Forum. So I, I'm in Michigan, he's in Texas, and we were on the uh, representing as Young Architect Regional Directors. And I think you probably know a few others or have interviewed a few others um, mm-hmm. from around the country or over time. But uh, so... We met at one of the annual meetings um, that uh, that the YAF hosts uh, a face-to-face every year, uh, as long as there's no pandemic, and then um, we do some, you know, planning, strategic planning for the year. And so uh, we met at, uh, I don't know, I forget how many years, at least six years ago, maybe seven now. Um, and we kind of really hit it off uh, as like with a lot of similar interests and became friends uh, very quickly. And, you know, when you do these sort of committee meetings, you, you then go away back to your hometown and then you have to communicate via email and all that stuff. And, uh, when, when conferences, uh, the AIA conference comes around or came around, um, we kind of reached out to each other and decided to, you know, asked, you know, if, if we would room up together, you know, save costs on the conference and things like that. And so, you know, we got along, so that, that kind of became a, uh, a tradition that we have now broken because of the the pandemic mm-hmm. um you know we were really excited to go back to LA or I was because I used to live in LA and uh and I was going to show Jamie around I was going to get like a personal tour guide for the conference which was going to be fantastic yeah for free right yeah for free exactly yeah. free tours yeah anyone anyone who wanted uh, but now they uh, no 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 chance for free tour so um I guess as far as the 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 concept for the podcast was, um, we were at the New York conference, so that's three years ago, I think, 
And, uh, and I could be wrong, but only two. It feels oh. like three. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, there was cer certain interests in wanting to do something collaboratively together, being that we're in two different states, but wanting to sort of do something creative and collaboratively. And um, Jamie had been very diligently posting what he calls coffee sketches, hashtag coffee sketch on his Instagram. And, and it kind of goes in, weaves into Twitter and things like that. And people comment and, and, you know, they kind of very uh, thematically, like they're always like a black and white, most of the time, um, mm -hmm. black and white image, coffee cup, pen. And um, it was even the year before I'll go back one more year to Orlando and I, I had my phone and I was kind of filming Jamie at the, uh, uh, one of the expo hall booths, um, where they invited architects, you know, at the conference to sketch on a coaster and pin it up on the wall. And so, um, that was, you know, maybe the beta of this whole thing. And then fast forward again, a year, um, I, we kind of brainstormed, like, what if it was, uh, some kind of podcast. I, I think we kind of called it a podcast. Um, I think, I think the, the, the thing that, that Kurt, Kurt was experimenting with the video blog at the time uh -huh. and sort of asking me some questions about that. And he was enjoying it, but it wasn't as sort of collaborative as he thought it would, could be. And he said, you know, what, what, what's the next step for these coffee sketches that you have? And I really didn't have one. I was just enjoying doing them as a daily sketch. And as we started to ruminate on that idea in New York, it, it really became something over the next couple months and turned into this idea of Kurt proposing the idea, hey, you draw every day, you post these sketches, what if I curated them and we started to have a conversation about them? And, and that sort of became the impetus for the, for the podcast. Um, and, and, and that's, that's, that's really the way it's become is this wonderful kind of conversation between two friends about our architecture, life, pop culture, um, using the sketches and coffee as sort of an impetus, um, and sort of a, you know, literally a conversation starter. How do you guys, so you mentioned it was a, you were experimenting with vlogs. Is, so is it actually in video form? And forgive me for not knowing, but that was because yeah. because my question really is like, how do you take something visual like a sketch, keep the audience engaged when it's a non-visual show? Like I always have, to, when, I'm, when I'm talking with Alex, I have to remind myself, this is a terrestrial show. This is not a visual thing. Right. Well, no, it's, you're, you're, you're correct. It is not um, a vlog or a video. What, right now we just record audio. Um, although last year at the the no no not yes last year october we um we got together for the ai texas conference and tried to do a a, a live pod a vlog video podcast whatever i was we had camera we had microphones and and jamie was sketching and we tried 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 it as an experiment um and it definitely needs a little more polish before we could try and repeat that but yeah that and, and, the and, the for that, and the reason for that is that like there's been a, a stretch of sketches where I try and do them really quickly. Uh -huh. um, and so all these coffee sketches are literally with the premise that they're, they're being done quickly. Um, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of sketch. And I do that. I mean, and, and predominantly that's what I do. So when Kurt and I got together, it was this 
added dimension of the video that we tried to kind of fold into what the po podcast was doing, but um, it's, it's, that's certainly a work in progress. But yeah, for the podcast itself is, I think that's the kind of uniqueness to the premise is that it's two guys talking about architecture and sketches that no one can see. <laughs> I love the uh, I love the brutal honesty about it because I mean honestly everybody listening I'm sure they were thinking the same thing um, unless you know if they haven't heard haven't heard the episodes before is it Jamie is this part of your morning routine then is it you get up and coffee and it's like is this been how long has this been happening how long have you been doing this um, I've probably been it, it started about ten years ago um, when I was uh, transitioning into a, a new firm position. I was starting an emerging practice. And so this was something that I started about 10 years ago and was pretty diligent about it. Um, and then it became a situation where someone encouraged me. They said, have you, have you used Instagram? Do you know about this Instagram stuff? And, and it, it became this idea that, well, it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity for me to um, post something daily about this sort of process. Sometimes it's solitary. Um, sometimes it's a conversation with other individuals. Uh, sometimes it's a conversation in the studio itself. Um, but yeah, I, I've pretty much tried to maintain it, um, you know, over that time period. And like I've joked about on the show is that, you know, some, and, and I've put time limits, I put artificial constraints on the sketches at times um, because I've used it as a way to um, get me past those creative blocks as, as an exercise. And so, so some of it is hashtag 10 minute coffee sketch or 10 minute sketch. And then I post it and I joke about it on the show is there's aspects of a sketch where you're 10 minutes in and you know, five minutes in, you're like, ah, this is not going the way I thought it was going to go, but I'm going to post it anyways. So there's a, um, an honesty about it that I, at least I, I, I try and do it, you know, with, with each daily sketch. Do you ever run it? Do you ever have sketch block? I just like writer's block? Like right now. <laughs> okay yeah like it's if if people have been following um the instagram posts of it is that yeah for the last month or so it's been really really tough um the creative juices have not been flowing the way that they normally would um and so yeah it's 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 tricky but but it, as an exercise it's one that i've tried to develop to get me past it when I, when I know that I'm not feeling as creative as I want to be, mm -hmm. I will use the coffee sketch as a, as a means to do that. Um, sometimes the artificial constraints, the rules that I put on it, um, allow me to do it. Sometimes it's thematic, like Kurt was suggesting. Um, but yeah, yeah. Sometimes you get the writer's block. Um, yeah. Kurt. And then Kurt, did he, did, did Jamie inspire you to, did it follow your lead or were you already sort of doing a routine like this every day? And then do you, do you guys both make it an effort to like, is it just talking about Jamie's sketches or are you guys both bringing them together yeah. and collaborating? So, <laughs> good, good question. Um, it's mostly Jamie's sketches because he is, he's, he's been so regular in posting them. Um, I, I'm not very regular at posting sketches. I've done a little bit um, to try and sometimes I, I've tried to make a sketch and kind of bounce it off of Jamie and then it becomes something that we can talk about on the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I, um, I'm not, so I'm not a daily sketcher, but I do, I do find other ways that I kind of think of in a, the concept of a sketch. So we've got a couple of episodes where we talk about um, 
something I'm interested in, which is the, the idea of like that um, computer computational design or, you know, util utilizing things like Grasshopper and Rhino is kind of an intriguing premise to me as far as, you know, programming design work with, you know, this bits of code and things like that. And so I've cobbled together, I'm not super good at it, but I've played around with it and, and cobbled together some interesting images out of that. And then we kind of flip the interview a little bit and Jamie kind of picks my brain about some of these things. That's a far less frequently, but um, sometimes, so we've kind of flipped the, the script, so to speak, um, in that sense. So it's primarily, yeah, we, we kind of focus on Jamie's sketches and, um, you know, we can go back in time to, you know, pull a sketch out and kind of pop it in front of him after, you know, so many years of not, you know. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt recently <laughs> pulled out a lightning round on me where he said, okay, um, let's do a Pachacucha style or Kachka, whatever, you know, I don't pronounce it properly. Um, and he threw out 10 sketches at me and we did them really, really quickly. Um, yep. So that was fun. Jamie, you and you had your own office for a couple of years. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Did, did, it, did any, was there any business um, inquiries or followers that of, uh, of you sketching on Instagram? Did that ever translate into any kind of business just by, just by simply putting yourself out there? Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. cool. Yeah, no, it, it was, it was, um, there was definitely, um, we, we were a, a general practice for all intents and purposes. So um, residential, commercial, um, did a little bit of public art projects and I had done some public projects in the past at a previous firm. So um, certainly the, on the residential side, for sure, um, we had several inquiries and some of those, what was nice was that even some of those residential would turn into commercial work. I mean, which is sort of the sweet spot for any, any general practice of a small size is if you can move one from, from one sector to another sector um, and it's the same client base, that's, that's fantastic. It's like marketing to yourself. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the, the sketches certainly um, put out a um, idea of how I like to work and how I wanted, how I perceived our studio working, um, you know, both collaboratively, but also just um, from the standpoint of process and, and people really responded to it. I mean, it, it resonated with, with certain people. Oh, definitely. I could see attracting a very specific kind of clientele. I think, um, you, you know, them just maybe coming into the firm. It's really one of the things I like to tell uh, my kids. And then also we teach at CU Boulder is, like it's very calming, I think, to just watch people sketch. Like how how often do you get to do that uh, process in life? It's a, uh, I mean, you're just literally watching. You know, I mean, we don't think of ourselves maybe as artists like Picasso, but but you are creating art, and so you are just watching somebody create art. I, I don't think there's anything um, for me. I could just sit there and watch somebody draw for a long time. Um, so so I, I wonder if some of the clients that came I mean, in, they were expecting that, and they really wanted that. I, I'm the same way. I mean, that was, you know, it's something I've shared with, with Kurt and, and we've talked about a lot is that I love, you know, that in, I found a practice of, I found a field where I can get inspired by so many different people, you know, and the work that they do. And I love to be fanboy to, um, you know, other architects, other artists to sketch and try and follow as many as that I can. Um, you know, I have certain favorites, of course, Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll sit there and watch somebody draw. I mean, it, you know, I love that moment too. I mean, and, and, 
and yeah, I, I agree that there's been moments where, you know, clients do the same thing. They, they, they like that process. Yeah, yeah definitely. The, Go ahead. The, Kurt. Well, the, the thing I find it, it, being that most of the work is, is Jamie's sketches. It's kind of fun being the observer in the sense and, and kind of, and in most cases too, if, especially if I, you know, scroll through his feed and try and grab something from back in time, you, you know, before I even met him say, you know, I, then I'm looking at something that we've never really discussed maybe, or kind of find a theme or a concept that um, has not, you know, is not something he's currently interested in. Right. And so, um, you, you know, a lot of times he will sketch like client work, but then the next day he's sketching a detail from like a Zaha building or, you know, another, a favorite architect or, you know, something that he's, seen by walking down the street and you know sort of create some inspiration and so we what I hope out of the the podcast is that by trying to verbally explain the visual uh, and and we try not to get too jargony you know we want to try and keep it accessible to, to everybody but you know there's it it's like a connection you know from day to day you know a thread that ties through you know the the particular client project he may be working on or, uh, you know, related to, you know, something from Zaha or uh, Morphosis or, or, you know, Libius Woods is kind of a, a popular uh, uh, subject matter for Jamie or even, you know, things like Banksy's art, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the graffiti art. So the, the collaborate, the, what's well, not collaborative, but the, um, the, the broad uh, visual, uh, spectrum that would be from art to architecture to furniture or something or even nature right something you know that would be visually inspiring so we try and um, hopefully you know we can explain enough in 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 the art or the the drawings that uh, people can kind of visually paint the picture for themselves and then we also put a little thumbnail up with every week's you know episode so there's at least something <laughs> oh that's smart yeah I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a trick, sense. A trick from our friend, Evan Troxel. Yeah. He uh, taught, taught me that one. Yeah. He's smart. Evan's on top. Evan's on the ball always, right? He's like bleeding edge type of guy. Um, Kurt, there's, there's some other stuff I'd like to talk. Moving, moving sort of beyond the sketches. I think it's fascinating that you guys have found this little niche. I think, I think there's still so much room to grow even in the podcasting um, sphere you know, people like to joke like, oh, there's too many. I, I'm not sure of that because I still run out of stuff to listen to on the weekends and then I'll find new stuff and kind of fall in love with it. Um, but moving beyond that, Kurt, you're, you're located in Michigan, correct? Yep. yep. And uh, one of the things I liked about your bio that you sent over is that you're very active in your community. Um, I am as well. I run a community garden in town and, and I do other things to try to help out and volunteer. Um, and one of your focuses is on the Flint water crisis. At one point in the media cycle, that's all we heard about. And, for, you know, as if somebody's in Colorado, we don't hear about it too often. So, like, to hear, to hear that there's still a problem, tell us, tell us what, you've, what you've done there what, what the, and what the current state is with, with water in, in Flint. And are things moving ahead or are they sort of stagnant? Sure. I'll try and keep, keep this one in a nutshell. But um, as far as personal, well, so I live in the city now. I've been working in the city um, a little longer. So I've been living in the city four years, which basically I moved in kind of right around when things really started to become, 
nationally recognized, um, but had, you know, been working in the city four years prior to that. So, you know, always spending my days in the city, uh, you know, reading the news and then sort of hearing the press releases. And then I, I, I remember a day, you know, kind of making coffee in, in the office and realizing like, oh, you know, I'm just filling it right out of the tap. And we work out of an old house. So and it's not, heard, you know. In the past episode that Kirk really likes break room coffee and really misses it during the stay at home time. Yeah, you know, the water cooler and the and the, the break room coffee. Um, but uh, so, you know, it just kind of dawned on me that like, okay, we, we should probably kind of take a look at this and, you know, think about filtration. And everyone at that point was trying to figure out what, what, what kind of filtration works, right? And then how do you, you know, how do you get access to it? So um, with AI, our local AI uh, component, AI Flint, um, we did a little bit of infographic kind of creation to, to help spread the word. Primarily that was around, um, and, and this was to sort of share around the city and around, um, you know, at, at different neighborhood groups and things like that. But, uh, you know, people were donating water bottle, you know, uh, uh, cases, right. Cases of waters and, uh, people were, just driving around town collecting as many as they could and then they would take them home. But, you know, it sounds, it sounds maybe a little simple, but you know, if you start stacking up because people got into that a little bit scarcity mindset and started to hoard a little bit of, you know, they would go and collect as much as they could on distribution days. But if you stack up those 24 cases, 48 bottle cases of water on your, you know, wood framing, all oh, these old houses in Flint. I mean, you could create a structural problem. So we tried to educate people on like, you know, if you're going to stack, stack these things, cause there were stories about, you know, you know, really, you know, collections of, of these water bottles, um, full, you know, so we're, you know, there's that component. Um, and then, you know, just with, you know, with AIA and, and trying to help, uh, use that platform to get involved with the, the local government as far as the mayor's office and the council and, you know, be of assistance, um, get together with our local civil engineering um, uh, colleagues, you know, engineers and, and land, land, land surveyors and, you know, in the industry, you know, talk about infrastructure and, you know, what's that pathway forward. You know, in the end, you know, we architects, I mean, this is kind of the ongoing thing with AIA and, you know, our, our own, friends of architecture, uh, you know, that are maybe not so much a big fan of AI, you know, there's always a, a range of that, but you know, what the role of an architect is, um, at the end of all this, what I mean to say is that, um, you know, some of the local engineering firms definitely were involved in the, the rebuilding of the infrastructure, uh, and mapping the piping, um, you know, where the lead pipes were. And so, um, they, to date, I guess they have replaced a, a good many of them. I don't. I actually saw an article that there are still uh, lead pipes in existence in the city, but they do are in parts of the town where there's not as many people because you know suffered a decline in population. So, so there's a lot of empty sections of town. So where there's not, you know, there's maybe buildings there, but not occupied buildings. And so I think, and I would have to pull the statistics up, but, you know, there are, um, 
uh, a lot of the pipes replaced a lot of it, you know, with a lot of federal funding, state funding to help, you know, do the replacement process. Um, still something ongoing, but I think um, with uh, distribution of filtration, uh, water filters at the tap, uh, and then water bottles, which still occurs uh, in small in a small part, you know, as far as water delivery. Uh, well, not delivery, but um, water availability, mm-hmm. and then um, the pipe replacement. So it's still a thing, but I think the 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 biggest story I think coming out of it is that you know it it, it definitely made headlines, be, you know, from Flint and to the national level to the global level. But there are other Rust Belt or uh, legacy cities, areas that had, you know, a lot of industrial uh, manufacturing and that have decaying infrastructure. I mean, there's so many layers of infrastructure, right? Bridges, roads, and, and, and the underground piping. And so, you know, to, my hope is that, you know, it sheds some light on this issue in other areas of the country. I know places like Pittsburgh. Kurt's, Kurt's kind of modest. I mean, you know, it, it's, you know, he's, 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 but he's kind of modest is, I mean, Kurt really is a, is a citizen architect. I mean, and I think that he's sort of a servant architect in a small community um, that has been, you know, in the national headlines and isn't out of the woods yet. I mean, it's, I think that they're, you know, from, we've talked about it quite a bit, but I think that there's some political dimensions to this that, um, that he's involved in. Um, and then some community activism that he's involved in um, that he doesn't like to talk about quite a bit, but I, I think it's something that as an architect and um, in your community, I mean, I think that's, it's, I mean, what's, what's interesting for, for the dynamic between the two of us is that, you know, um, you know, Flint's so, you know, is potentially very, very different than what Austin is. And, um, and so a lot of my questions for Kurt are trying to understand it a little bit better. So um, I think your question about it is, yeah, it's, it's, it was in the headlines. It's not any, not as much anymore because of so many other things, but I think it's something that as a nation, we shouldn't lose sight of um, because I think there's some resilience issues that, you know, people like Kurt and others in the community are still probably dealing with. Yeah. And that's exactly why I wanted to bring it up is because I think the way, I mean, everybody who actually, I mean, you almost can't get away from the media cycle, right? And even if you're, even if you just move to just Twitter or, you know, you cut the cable, you're still, it's just bombarding. So it's when it hits it, I mean, once they focus on one thing, that's all we hear about for a couple months and then they throw it away. But that doesn't mean it go. Doesn't mean it goes away. And I can't imagine that the problem was was entirely solved or anything like that. So uh, we really really appreciate your take on that on that. Curve. Well, and it was funny because like even just last week we were talking about something where um, there was a video that Kurt's like, hey, um, we have you know I'm I'm going to be busy for a couple hours. But I got to go do this 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 drone video. And I'm like, well, what are you what are you doing a drone video of? And he's like, oh, well, I'm doing a drone video of uh, Black Lives Matter uh, public art project in Flint. And I was like, Oh, okay, fantastic. I want to, I want to see this when it's mm-hmm. done. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do some editing. And, and so he posts it and you know, sends it to me. And then I see some other things and um, I see a, a corollary to it. And it was a public art project that he's a, associated with some individuals there in, in Flint and um, little miss Flint, you know, who a lot of people got to know because of the Flint water crisis, she was involved in the project too. And, and, you know, a lot of it was from a, a public relations aspect of it, of trying to, you know, gain awareness and, and use her platform. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's something that, 
you know, fell out of the news cycle. Um, hopefully, you know, people sort of realize that the problem's not solved. And as Kurt was saying, it's, it's not the only community that's affected. Right. Kurt, do you have any place where people could, if they're listening to this, if they, do you have like a one site where you could send them if they're interested in helping out, even if it's just donating to stuff on Flint? And I'm, I'm sorry to keep put you on the spot like that, but I thought maybe, maybe you do it. If you don't, no, no problem. People can, I'm sure there's some kind of organizations well, still going, but that's a good point. I mean, Jamie did bring up little miss Flint. So if you could, you could find her on Twitter. Okay. Um, I, uh, I can give you the, the links and all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, the city of Flint. Um, and, you know, I can, you know, have a lot of information on it and then, uh, you know, I can share those. I think that, I mean, you know, getting into the mayor's office and, and we, we have a new mayor um, that is, uh, had a long history in, in politics in the city of Flint. So he's very, very active and on top of things. I'm really excited about um, Mayor Neely. So, um, you know, any he, he is one of the one of those politicians that if if people are speaking to him and dropping notes into his office, he will listen and he will respond to them. So it's 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 uh, helps you know helps keep everything moving right in the positive direction. Yeah. Um, so you guys brought up BLM and I noticed, I, I think it was you, Kurt, in your bio talking about uh, equity and, and equality. So I wanted, I wanted to pick your guys' brain about something. Um, I was recently on a, a roundtable podcast with uh, Mark and Evan um, and, and a bunch of other folks, um, Demetrius Lynch from uh, Spaces Podcast. And we had a guest on there and there's this, there's, I don't know if you guys are aware, but, and if you are great, then I'm kind of repeating myself, but equality versus equity. And this gal's idea was, <clears throat> her, her take was, and it kind of struck me a little bit because I haven't heard this yet. So it's been, in, it's been spinning in my head for a while. And the claim is, is that equality isn't enough at this point. And that now we need to move to equity. Um, so have you guys, is this, is this just new to me or are you guys already ahead of, ahead of the curve on this, with this language that's coming out about equity equality versus equity and that it's not so it's not enough that we've uh leveled the playing field in the terms of equality now there's equity that has to happen in order for us to get to an equal outcome i, I would say just sort of quickly is just like a, a simple way that i've um you know i've looked at it but but that i've tried to explain it to other people is that from an equality standpoint if, if we say okay we're you know a goal is equality and we're going to start today, you know, treating everybody equal. That's great, but that doesn't sort of take into account all the things that have happened before, and that there are aspects of the system that haven't created um, an equal footing for people. And so, you know, starting as you know, this is this is ground zero. This is the tabula rasa. This is the clean slate, and we're going to move forward from this point. Is is it enough? And so, um, you know, I, I, you know, both Kurt and I both have been involved in our, in our respective um, areas, you know, with, with these initiatives, um, you know, both professionally, personally, and, and otherwise. But um, yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's certainly language that, um, that I've become familiar with. Um, and I, you know, I'd like to say that I'm still listening. I'm still learning. I'm still probably making mistakes, um, but I'm trying to do better myself um, with it. 
and it's, you know, in, in, in all aspects. Um, but I think it's, it's sort of taking that at least the first step of realizing that, um, cause a lot of people will say, well, quality of course is very, very important. And they, they sort of want to stop there. And I think that that's when people kind of bring this other term to light, I think it's, it's continuing that conversation. And if, if people aren't willing to engage in that, um, then they're, they're missing a really, you know, an opportunity. Yeah. Kurt? I was, and Jamie reminded me, uh, and now I almost, I almost forgot, forgot what I was going to say, but, um, it, for me, the, the term equity really, um, was, was new to me when Rosa Shang, who was on that, uh, podcast, uh, with, with you, Lance. Um, uh, that's the gal. Yes. Thank it, you for led the, um, or she, she was you know, really involved in the, um, w- women in architecture. And at the time I think it was equity by design, mm-hmm. um, uh, national, um, survey, it, you know, it was a survey of, of, you know, the women it started out with women in architecture and then it grew into minorities and, and beyond as it, you know, year after year and it grew in, in, um, in its data collection, really. And, and I think that's where um, I was thinking that, you know, there is a, as a, the connection to, to like Black Lives Matter and, and that sort of equity versus equality is, um, and, and this is where I, I've kind of forgotten what I was going to say. Hey, Jamie, Jamie put it a lot better I mean, it, in that I, sense, I was, but... Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I was hoping that he could re- re-inspire the... Jamie, the, uh, dang it. <laughs> I feel... I, I just, we do this from time to time. Um, it's our banter. But, yeah. you know, I, I would say that um, in Texas, one of the things that sort of we've dealt with and that I've dealt with is that, um, you know, on the professional side, is that, um, you know, the, like the Texas Society of Architects, you know, I'm on a committee um, and it was a task force before. Um, they've had it for several years now. Um, it's about four years in and ironically the AI Michigan, you know, as, as part of black lives matter decided, you know, we're going to have that same task force. And so they're starting one now. So Texas, you know, Texas as as Texas can, can have its own, um, um, mystique amongst other States. Um, I, I would say that at least, at least they had this committee, you know, you know, four years ago and it was, it was the equity, diversity and inclusion committee. Um, and, but, you know, as much as they had it, there was things that that committee did in terms of looking at what Kurt was referring to is the numbers, you know, things that Rosa and um, 90, uh, and and her group were, uh, and others that she was working with were, were taking in terms of statistics. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's looking around the room. I mean, it, I mean, it's as simple as, you know, when you're going to a conference or you're going to a meeting and you're looking around the room and you're, and you're seeing um, you know, that everybody's the same, um, you know, for the most part, um, or that the percentages just don't line up with society. the rest of society, yeah. you know, then, you know, th- that should tell us all something. And so what's, you know, these task force, these committees that are putting forth these numbers, um, it shouldn't really come as a surprise. And, but I think what the next step is, okay, acknowledge the numbers, mm-hmm. but what are the actions? And I think yeah. that that's, that's, that's the part of the discussion we're at now, which is great. And, is, and is, I, well, just, just, just to clarify then, because that, that, that's where I get a little tripped up. 
Um, and Kurt, you probably noticed that on the roundtables where I was very specific with Rosa and I actually pointed out my personal anecdotal example of that. So, so is that where we're, do you think that's where we're at is we are, so we've acknowledged, we've acknowledged the statistics, just call it that. Um, and, and you know, the, the lack of diversity that is reflective in society is not reflective in, in the profession or whatever, you know, even another profession, I'm sure there's other plenty of examples, right? What, we've done that and now, now we're talking about what the action is, but there really hasn't been a full on action. Do I have that correct? Because I want to know if there's an ex- I want to know if there's a well, specific think- specific example that these committees are coming up with. Because I would like to talk yeah. about them further in detail about honestly, okay, if, if that's if we're going to do action A, what is the end game? Because for me, I want to know, you know, specifically. For instance, Demetrius brought this up. Uh, he says, and Demetrius is a black architect, and he brought up he brought up the point that I think he I think his statistic was like there's only two percent of uh, architects that are that are African American or Black in uh, North America, but then you know population wise, there's 13 to 15 percent, depending on the census and the year and everything like that. So then, is is the you know for so for example is whatever actions take place, if they're successful, once you get to the 13 to 15 percent, are the actions done, or do you, or they are they perpetual? I think I don't think it's fair in this discussion to not bring those kind of things up and look at it from a, a very big picture, a very holistic, full, full life, full circle thing. I guess so there you cut out. Oh no. There you are. Now you're back. We almost, I feel like we lost the, uh, but Jamie, you heard enough. Yeah. I I would say the one thing to think about is that, um, you know, even in our profession, I mean, like in the state of Texas, there's, there's eight accredited schools of architecture. So there's, there's eight schools. One of those eight is a historically black college. So it's an HBCU. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught there. Um, you know, the majority of the students there, I'd say 90 to 95% of the population is African-American. Um, they're black, they're black students, you know, who uh, for the most part, a lot of them are the first ones in their families to go to college. Um, they're in a, they're in an accredited school of architecture. Um, they're going through the same, I mean, we're in a, we're fortunate in our profession and Kurt and I've joked about this. We're fortunate in our profession that wherever you go to school, everybody sort of has that same understanding of what you had to go through in, mm-hmm. in architecture. School. I'd agree. Yeah. For, for the most part. I mean, there's mm-hmm. obviously different things, but you know, the, the same thing would be true for these students at, at, at Prairie View A&M. And, but if you take that a step further and you say, okay, they all graduate with the degree but then they don't necessarily get the same opportunity for employment or if they do get that job, they're, they're marginalized in some respects. Um, and they start to not necessarily, um, matriculate into, into further positions, you know, in their firms. And then you start to, you know, add that, add that up every level, every step along the way. And then you start to see that not only is it the, profession, you know, that needs to take actions, but the profession realizing that this, this pipeline of people that are, that we're recognizing are, should be part of our profession and aren't, it doesn't just start with their first job. You know, it starts in school and then not just in, in their, in their university, but it starts in their communities um, and, and how they're, 
and how they're brought into the architecture profession. I mean, I, I've, you know, I've talked about it with other people is that if, if you, if you yourself, I mean, we already are in a profession where it's a fairly small percentage of people who are architects, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, in, in the professions and a lot of the people who are exposed to it know an architect or they've seen an architect or they've had some exposure to it in their life. If people in a black or brown community haven't necessarily been even exposed to the concept of an architect, then how can we expect them to have success in, in a field that they, they have no relationship to? And so there, there's, there's questions about that that I think are, are difficult ones that, you know, kind of going back to your question of, you know, if we get to a certain number, are we done? <laughs> um, maybe. But I think that, you know, to get to that number, it's not just as simple as we need to have more job fairs or hire more people. Um, there's, there's a whole lot of steps down the chain that, um, that, you know, people really need to start thinking about. It seems like the AIA could do, could knock out two birds with one stone with this, where they could, I, I, I really wish the, one of the things that, you know, in the entrepreneurial community, we complain about, we, we complain about a lot is that why, why don't, um, why doesn't the general public know what we do, right? And I know this has been a push over the past decade about, for, from the AIA, but that, that's one of their goals is to really get it down to a, just a lay person's level and, and, and bring it out so it's, it's more, you know, people understand it. Could they do the same thing than in minority communities where it's just educating about what does an architect do, How, you know, and, and, and so it seems, so not only is the service more accessible, but the profession becomes more accessible that way. Um, has there anybody, has there been any, I'm not with the AA, so I couldn't speak on whether it is, if there's efforts being made to that or not. Can you guys, are, are there well, any? The challenge, and this is, I just wanted to throw back in the, the item that I kind of forgot earlier, but it, it, the, the point about equity is, is, is in, akin to with the, the latest, you know, Black Lives Matter protesting is, is the term, you know, amplifying, amplifying the melanated voices is the, there's so much air in the room being, you know, coming out of, you know, the, the privileged people, you know, the white people, the, you know, the, the, the non-black and minority um, individuals that it stifles, right? The voice of the, the, the minorities. And so I think getting to be stepping back if, if you are white or, you know, not, you know, not the minority and letting that, that voice, you know, come through, letting the melanated voices come through is, is one, one action I mean to recognize, right. In your own self. I mean, and I know, and I didn't realize this about you, Lance, is that you, you know, you mentioned that you have Native American heritage and, and I, I'm half Guatemalan from my mom's side, but my mm. nice wonder last name is the German, mm. you know, American, American German guy, you know, that married my mom. But, and I, I struggle with like, you know, my wife even asked me like, have you, did you ever have moments in life where you were, you know, treated as a person of color and, and treated differently. And, and I, and I thought about it, it took me a whole day to think about it. Mm -hmm. And, and the next thing, you know, when I got back with my wife, I said, well, me not so much as I think because my skin is a little lighter being half my name. And I, I was born in this country. So I speak uh, clear English, hopefully. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but my mother being the immigrant and my dogs are going bonkers. I That's know. all right. Uh, you know, my I could see even as a kid, I watched a lot of people discriminate against my mother because her accent, her darker skin. I think immediately they assumed she was not as smart because she couldn't, you know, make a sentence the same mm -hmm. way and things like that. So, you know, I think, you know, one thing about me living in the city of, of Flint and, and having been in different parts of the country, growing up in Connecticut and working in L.A., I now am you know, in a city that is majority uh, um, black, primarily black and minority uh, uh, occupants, residents, you know, you know, citizens. And, and though the, the architecture, capital A architecture, is being designed by and for the 1% crowd, right? And so mm -hmm. if we really need to, or really want to, I shouldn't say, we need to, and if they want to reach, you know, toward, you know, minority groups and become relevant to everybody is yeah, you have even, to get even my, away from. I, I, would go, I, would, I would say, you might, when you say minority, for me, like the way we run our firm is, it's not just skin color I'm talking about with minorities. I'm talking about the 99%, which, yeah. yes, it's a majority, but that's the minority of our clients. And I would like to, like, our architecture is right. for everybody. I don't care yeah. if you're a lower middle class. If you guys can, if we can make a deal, if we still can eat, doesn't mean it's the most profitable project, but yeah. like you deserve, you deserve good architecture, right? Right. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that was my point getting to is that you have to be, be able to, you have to set aside the, the sort of capitalistic mm -hmm. mindset and, and think more about how, how can, you know, to be relevant to, to that 99% group is, you know, it's not about the money first. I mean, it has to be about something else. And, and, and so, I don't know, I think Jamie was going to... No, I was just going to say, and, and, and some of it is just education, I mean, for the practice. I mean, it's, it's something as simple as, um, you know, if, if, you're, if you're going to architecture school, like we just sort of alluded that, you know, everybody, you know, wherever you went to school, um, you know, yeah, there's some that have, you know, higher pedigree of, of coursework that they took or whatever. So what? You know, the, the thing that's sort of interesting is, is, you know, what, what built history are we talking about? I mean, you know, did, did anyone take a pre-Columbian, you know, architecture class yeah. you know, or was it all Western, you know, Western European history? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, 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 and even those types of things, whether it's art or architecture, I mean, have certain influences on the people that you're educating. And, and I think that that, that idea of, as Kurt's sort of alluding to is, you know, sort of taking a step back and, and analyzing your practice and seeing, you know, how you're connecting with the broader community um, and sort of how you're doing that um, and what those opportunities are, whether you've done them well or the ones that you've missed and you recognize those misses. Um, and, you know, you know, can you pivot to, you know, a place where you try and do it better? Um, you know, and, and even just in, in some respects, it's, uh, it's sort of learning some terminology you know, and, and learning these, you know, concepts that um, a lot of people are just reluctant to do, um, you know, as, as surprising as, as, as it is, you know, some of these things as they're being presented, um, they, they push back against um, a system, you know, so when you hear about this, you know, everyone sort of using the adjective systemic, you know, for yeah. certain things is that I think that even if you just look at the architecture profession as a system, 
um, and the pushback that, you know, of change. Oh, well, we've always done it this way. Or, um, you know, that's the way we do things. You know, those types of, you know, you know, whatever it ends up being, you know, you, if you're, if you're the one who's trying to make a change and you hear that, you know how that makes you feel. And so if you, if you translate that feeling to a, you know, your whole life um, or something that's bigger and broader, um, you know, then you're maybe getting closer to, you know, understanding a little bit of that reality, you know, what, you know, regardless of the color of your skin, um, yeah. you know, or, or where your family's from. It's, it's what it's, you know, I recently reread and I watched the, um, the documentary about Sam Mockby and then I read, reread a book that I owned the rural about the rural studio and it, I mean, my undergraduate is from USC in Los Angeles. So we basically were all trained to be the next Tom Hain in school, yeah. right? I mean, everything that our drawings, our models are, were all like these buildings that would never stand, stand up uh, with, without, without massive structural packages. But um, I, in my, you know, now that I'm 40, right, I look back and I go, everyone, every architecture school should be more like the rural studio. You should mm. be serving in a, in a, capacity like that and building, you know, designing and building, coming up with the solutions. I mean, that's, that's one aspect is understanding how things are built. And I know you guys have talked about that on, on inside the firm, but, but also then serving the people that really need architecture. You know, I mean, those that, you know, don't have, I mean, if you watch the documentary, you know, they don't have running water, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, in the, in this country, you know, we're not talking about third world nations. We're talking right. about this country. Yeah. I really, so I really like the way this conversation sort of uh, came around. Because um, to me, it just points to, it starts with us, right? I think Jamie hit it on the na- hit the nail on the head with, as a practitioner and somebody who teaches um, at, at, in, in, at the university level, it just, that's exactly where it starts from. Or, or even us just podcasting or us practicing. Um, if, if the individual collectively can do so many things. So I think just broadening the way we think about things and not being reluctant to it. I'm very optimistic about the architecture profession. Um, one of the reasons and it moving forward in these and us being less resistant to change and more open to sharing. And a lot of that has to do with what, what Mark LePage has built to the Entree Architect community. Like what a breath of fresh air. I mean, it was just, so, it's so crazy that we're, we're, we're supposedly supposed to be some of the most creative individuals on the planet. And we pigeonhole ourselves into not sharing and to these ideals and everything like that. Um, so th- this was great. I'm really glad we, we kind of touched on these topics. Um, we're kind of wrapping up on an hour here. It's went a little bit longer than usual, but you guys are, you guys are fun to talk to. So I'm just going to, I'm going to finish with maybe one question for each of you. And if you could both answer them, that'd be great. And I'll start with Jamie. Jamie, knowing what you know now, and if you could travel back in time, uh, when you first started your career, what advice would you give yourself? I think um, I would say to trust in my abilities. I think that that's the one thing that it took me a long time to just, um, you know, trust my instincts. You know, I, I came I came at architecture from an art background. Uh, I didn't know an architect. Um, we were just talking about that a moment ago. You know, I, I had no perspective, no frame of reference for what an architect was. Uh, I'm the first in my family to go to college. Um, you know, I'm, I was born in another country. Um, and you know, when I went to college and, and sort of discovered architecture, 
um, you know, I, I didn't always trust my abilities and sort of trust that artistic instinct. And, um, and what I find now is that, you know, the other things fell into place, you know, and if, if I think if I had sort of trusted myself and, and, and believed in that earlier, um, you know, maybe some things would have been a little bit smoother, but, uh, I'm not, um, I'm not one for going backwards in time. So I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty pleased with the journey so far. Yeah. But you, but just so you know, all, everybody's answers for this question is always for people maybe starting their career. So then they can hear it from somebody else and then hopefully they'll and trust that's what it's, it's trust yourself. I mean, yeah. and trust, you know, trust in the fact that you've, you've, if you think you've found architecture, if you think you've found, you know, the, the thing that, that drives your passion, um, then, um, you know, trust that, you know, don't, don't give up on it. I mean, cause I think that that's the thing is that, you know, each of us takes, um, a different path to where we want to be, um, and comparing ourselves to other individuals or some litmus test or timeline that somebody said, or you read somewhere, that's not relevant. I, I think trusting your abilities, um, and, and trusting in, in, in your own instincts is, is absolutely, um, you know, the best advice that I would have given myself. Um, wish I had trusted it more at times, but I, it's certainly something that I would, I would share with other people. Beautiful. Kurt? Um, <clears throat> well, I have more time to think about that. So uh, I, I was thinking that I, I, would, I would have told my, or I would tell myself to, to speak up more and be more active earlier. Uh, I, I kind of grew up pretty shy. I'm a twin. Uh, so, you know, I guess the two of us could hide each other. But, um, uh, you know, as a, sh a shyer youth, uh, I'm now kind of feeling a little more confident, you know, every step of my career toward getting um, licensed and things like that. Now I have a little more confidence and, and, and experience. But I think I, I would have told myself to, to, you know, just speak up and and be a little more confident even back then and and eventually you know and be more active right get involved in in other things that you know just aside from going from the your your bed to studio mm -hmm. to to food to bed to <laughs> yeah take a little time to do something a little you know different <laughs> and again no to share with your peers i mean that's i think that that's yes you know, kurt, kurt and i've learned that lesson later in life and yeah. it's something that um you know we've 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 certainly um capitalized on absolutely jamie where can people follow you on your on on social media at fallout studio on instagram and twitter and then our um podcast as well beautiful kurt how about you where can people follow you um it, well, I, my Instagram and Twitter is my full name, Kurt Nicewender. That's Nicewender. <laughs> N-E-I-S-W-E-N-D-E-R. -E um, and, and, and yeah, our, uh, we, have, we have the domain coffeesketchpodcast.com, which is basically just to host all our, mm -hmm. our episodes there, but uh, at, at Coffee Sketch on Twitter. So Beautiful. Boy, guys, it was, it was a pleasure having you guys on. Well, I, I hope to meet you guys in person at the, we were supposed to do this at the, at the, in LA and then I would have got a, a tour um, from Sorry. Kurt apparently. So we'll have to, we'll have to have beers or coffees or something when we can meet hopefully next year when all of this, all of the pandemic is, is over with. Cross your fingers. So thank, thanks again, guys. We'll, we'll talk thanks soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening. 
We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on the iTunes app. Tip your barista, and we'll see you next week for more Monday morning coffee with Inside the Firm.